Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Student Ministries Director Blake Bells is from the series Today Matters Forever. For more information about Forward Giving to Request Prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Amen. Well, good morning. It's been a good day. I think I got one good morning. Is you all having a good morning so far? <laughs> Everyone's like, I thought he was just doing communion. But <clears throat> all right, well, I'm back up here. Um, excited to be starting a series. Today matters forever. That's the name of our series we're starting today. I'm, I'm pumped about it because that is so true. Today does matter forever. Decisions we make today not, not every decision we make today, but every day has decisions that you will make that will have impact through eternity, okay? And, and there is a misconception in the church that, that we have to address, and that is, that is that, you know, this idea that we, we get saved, we receive salvation, and then we live our Christian life, and, and some people are just sold out, excited. Some people want to serve God because that's kind of their thing, and other people just kind of coast. Some attend church, some don't attend church, some show their faith, share their faith, some don't. And then after the end of our lives, we die and go to heaven, or Christ comes back first, whatever, and then we just all go to heaven and receive the same joy in heaven, in the same heaven. Okay, we all do get to go to heaven, but it's a very... Um, you're very misinformed if that's the way you think it is because there is a reward system that God has set in place for his people, for his people, for his faithful followers. He's not going to let someone be faithful their whole life and not give them reward for that. And that's what's so beautiful. And that's what we're going to talk about today and why today matters because he has rewards planned for us. And we're going to talk about that. And I know some people get more, more motivated by awards. There's some people more competitive than others. Trust me, I know this. I have a younger brother who's 13 years old. I'm sorry, 13 years younger than me. He's not that young. Okay, he's 13 years younger than me. And because of that, we had like completely different upbringing. Okay, my mom was a drill sergeant when I was younger. Dad was a pastor. And Tristan, he just didn't, his name's Tristan, and we just didn't have the same upbringing. I mean, in 13 years after I was being raised, he comes along and I'm, mom got soft. Okay, that's all there is to it. Okay, this kid was, I mean, he was having trouble being potty trained when he was like 10 or something. We, we, we were potty trained at gunpoint at 12 months. I mean, it was, it was serious, okay? And, and I knew that there was a difference, and it kind of um, shed light on it when I was in my 20s, and Tristan was, um, he was about 7, and I was going to coach a basketball team. And I was like, I just need to get this kid, you know, some, some motivation and some drive. So I said, I'll coach it if my little brother can be on it. And they said, okay. So, so I went to coach this, and I remember going to practices, and I took him to the first game, and I was driving him there, and he was in the back seat, and I was talking him through it, trying to get him pumped up. And I said, you know, I was talking, and then he just said, but, but you have to remember, it's not whether we win or lose, it's about having fun. And I said, who told you that? <laughs> and he said, mom. And I said, who's mom? And he said, ours. And it was interesting because I distinctly remember my mom telling me when I was young, there in everything you do, there are participants and there are competitors. In everything you do, you better compete. 
Okay, you better compete. And the thing was, is like it was a complete contrast. And to, to this day, Tristan is not motivated to win. He's not motivated, and sometimes I'm jealous of him because he can be completely content. And me, I just kind of always feel like I have to have more, have to do more, have to have to you know try to rise up or whatever. But um, I'm telling you, when it comes to our Christian faith and when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, there will come a time when we all wish that we would have cared about the awards we could have been going after, when we would have cared about today and how much today matters. Revelations 22, 12 says this. It says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Okay, there are rewards for what we do in this life, and God has plans for us, and He has, he has um, he's given us giftings, He's given us blessings, and He wants us to operate in those okay today we're going to be in luke 19 verses 11 through 27 please stand as we read this is our main text we're going to go ahead and stand and give god some honor through it it says this it says as they heard these things he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of god was to appear immediately he said therefore a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, and that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have made faithful and very little you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, You are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in, in the bank? At my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away. But as, but as for these enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. All right, you all can have a seat. And Jesus, we ask that you just add your blessing to the reading and the hearing of your word today. Amen. So what we have here is, is a parable. Okay, it was a parable that Jesus is using, and, um, and he addresses different things in this parable. And the first thing that we ask is, is why? Why is he even talking about this parable? Why this one in particular? In our verse, first verse that we see, Luke 19, 11, it says, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And why? Because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Okay, he had a following of Jews that had seen in the Old Testament that a Messiah was going to come and was going to reign forever. Okay, because of that, they expected him to take over and reign forever. They were expecting this to happen soon. Okay, and so they're walking from Jer Jericho, walking towards Jerusalem, and they're looking towards Jerusalem, hoping that the kingdom of heaven would just would appear, and that Jesus would begin reigning triumphantly, and there would be Jewish triumphalism, and, and just they're just expecting him to take over at this point. And he's trying to make it clear that's not what's going to happen. 
Okay, I didn't come the first time to overthrow the government. God, Jesus didn't come the first time to, to set all social injustices right. He came to seek and save the lost. That's what he was there for. He was there to create it a, way, a way for us to go to heaven, a way for us to have relationship with God. That's what he was there for, and he was trying to get that through to them. Okay, so, so as this is going on, he begins to tell a parable to explain that, and he starts with talking about there's a nobleman. A nobleman is going to go away, and he's going to go away to receive a kingdom for himself. And it's obvious who he's talking about here. He's talking about himself, saying that he's going to go away. And then it says, but before he goes away, he's going to leave his servants. Okay, he's going to leave, grab ten servants, and he's going to leave them each a mina. Now, a mina is the equivalent of about three months' wages. For easy math, we're going to say um, about $1,000 a week, just because it's easy for me, so um, times... Three months, that's going to be about $12,000, right? So if it was today's time, he leaves $12,000 and then leaves. And then he goes and he gets his kingship. He gets the, the sign-off from the king. He's coronated and then he returns. And then what he does when he returns is he calls back the servants because he wants to see what they did in his absence. He wants to see their loyalty to him. He wants to see how much they care about him. And that's where we're going to pick up Luke Chapter 19, verse 15, it says, When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first one comes to him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten more minas. Okay, think about that. Just looking at that statement, that's, pretty, that's a pretty humble statement. He doesn't say, look what I did. He says, look what your mina did. Okay, for us to say that, it's saying, God, look what your giftings in us have done. Look what the platform you gave me did. All, I, all it did was I was faithful to you and it grew tenfold. That's something incredible. And then like, I hope that, you know, as forward church grows, as ministry grows, or as the people in our churches, as you all may have businesses or places of authority or families, if you can just look at any success that you have and say, God, look what you did. Look what you've done. Because that was the attitude here. And moving on, he said, um, Jesus said to him, or the nobleman said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. Ten cities. Okay, so now you're looking at, he took 12,000 and increased it by ten, right? So now you have 120,000 that this person has, you know, is responsible for or has. But then when the king returns, he sees that 120 and he increases it to ten cities. So you're looking at like $120,000 for today, which is maybe worth like a smaller home or, or you know, small to average size house, $120,000, and now you're looking at that and you get 10 cities? Okay, that's like billions of dollars. Okay, that's tons. That's a, that's a lot to be, have authority over that. It's not what we deserve, but it just shows the reward system that God has planned for us for our faithfulness here on earth. And then after that, the second servant comes to him and it says, uh, Lord, your mana has made five manas. And in verse 19, he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Still, still something incredible. Still, um, still way more than we would ever deserve. And what Jesus is trying to get across here is that he will return and he's going to want to know what we've done with the giftings he's given us. He will want to know what we have done and we show him how much we care about him by how we take care of his kingdom. It's how we show him that we love him. It's how we show them how much we care, um, the things that we do. And the thing was, is, is the reward that we receive will be in proportion to what we have done here on earth. That's why today matters. 
And then we have another type of servant. In the actual verse 20, when it says another came, the actual translation there is a different kind of servant. It says another came. And another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. I haven't lost it, but here it is in a handkerchief. And the commentaries that I've read say that this is kind of a careless act. If it's something that you cared about then, if you weren't going to put it in the bank, you would bury it. You wouldn't just put it in a handkerchief. And this is an act of showing that he doesn't really seem to have much care for, for what he's been gifted with. And then, but then he explains that he says, For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And then God responds to that, or I'm sorry, the nobleman responds. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then, if, he's saying, why then if you believe that, then you just put it in the bank where it would earn some interest. If you really believe that, if you were fearful of me, then you would have at least, you would have at least put it in the bank. And he's questioning this guy's reasoning for doing it. But not only that, he's saying, you just don't care. Okay, this person obviously doesn't care about the king, doesn't care about the king's kingdom, doesn't care about him returning, wasn't looking forward to him returning, wasn't worried about him returning, wasn't worried about anything. He's just simply careless and acts mainly out of comfort. Just acts out of comfort. He doesn't want to get uncomfortable. He doesn't want to use it. He just took what was given to him and he held on to it. So then his response is pretty harsh. It says, it says, and he said to those who stood by, this is the nobleman talking, he said, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. And then he says this statement in verse 26, I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given, but the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then on top of that, in verse 1927, he goes on to say, but as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. I'm telling you guys, today matters. And you, what we see here is, is, this, is this gifting that we've been given. Okay? Um, Luke 19, verse 13. It says, He gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. So when he left, he gives them ten minas. And he says, engage in business, okay? Do something productive with this. Show me that you care about me. I'm going to leave. I'm going away. And with this gift that I've given you, I expect you to use it. I expect you to do something with it. I expect you to show me how much you care about me, how much you care about my kingdom, and how much you care about the people in my kingdom by how you use this. Your loyalty, your faithfulness to me depends on how you use the gift that I'm currently giving you, okay? And that's how it is with Jesus. He's gone, right? We know that he, he died on the cross, okay? And then, then he rose again, and then he was on the earth for 40 days, and then he went up, he ascended into heaven. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is king, okay? And he is ready. He wants to, you know, he's ready to come back. He's going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to take an account of the way that we lived our lives. He's going to take an account of what we have done and, and the practices, what we've, what we've done with his giftings. Now, we have to look at these gifts that were given. It says he, was, he left them a mina, okay, which was for this, it was like a, a, an amount of money, okay? But when we look at this, we can look at the initial gift that God gives us when we believe in Jesus Christ is what? It's salvation, right? It's salvation. He gives us salvation, and salvation is not something we're just supposed to hold on to and not tell anyone about, right? We're supposed to spread that. 
It's supposed to change our lives. Earlier, Rachel was talking about joy. In that, in our salvation, we should find joy. And I heard a minister say recently, and I thought this was so good, I wish I could, would have got his name, but um, it's, what he said was, he says that our society is deeply deprived of the joy of the followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, deeply deprived of the joy of the followers of Jesus Christ because we aren't showing our joy. That's one of the gifts he gives us is, is joy through salvation. And we're supposed to share that joy and spread that joy. He gives us gifts. He gives us talents. He gives us platforms. He gives us some people. He gives financial um, benefits. I don't know what he's given you. He may give you athletic abilities. He may give you um, incredible discernment. He may give you just, uh, just you have this relational feel to you where people are drawn to you and, and you're able to, to offer them advice and encourage them. And maybe that's your gifting. And what he is saying is, I'm giving you a gifting. Okay, and we have that statement where he said, those who have, who have more will just be given more and those who have none, it will be taken away. He's talking about here on earth how our gifting works. Okay, God gives you a gift. Okay, and what's incredible about God's gift is all we have to do is be faithful with him in our giftings and they just grow. God will just make you better. If you are in your sweet spot operating where God wants you to be, he will just grow that gifting in you. And when he returns, if he looks at you and sees that your gifting hasn't grown, you know what that means? It's a clear sign that you haven't been operating in it. It's a clear sign that you haven't been doing anything. So when he looks at that, that's what he's saying with, if I get here and you haven't, your gift hasn't grown, you haven't done something with the resources and, and, the, and what I've given you, then, it, then you're not going to receive any rewards. You will be given no rewards. Okay, it is, it's very important that we look at this. Okay, and that's what he's saying. But there, we should take this as his encouragement, though, knowing that if we are faithful to him, he will give us way more than we ever could have got, way more than we ever could have earned. He will increase it tenfold. When he looks and sees that this gifting has grown, we, we receive more authority in the kingdom. And that's something that tells us as well, if you want to find fulfillment in this life, look at what he wants to do. His biggest reward for us was what did, he give the, what did he give the servants? His biggest reward was more authority and more responsibility and more ways to serve him. So that should give us a little bit of clue. If you want some fulfillment in this life, if you want some joy in this life, then you get to serving him and you will experience joy. You get to operating in your gifts and that's what he has. He has wired you to serve him. So if you want joy in this life, operate, start serving, activate your gifts, and I'm telling you, that's where you experience joy. If you want joy in your life, you have to start serving Him and operating in that way. And that is some of the benefits, that, that we, the rewards that we receive on this earth. It's not always monetarily. Sometimes He blesses us financially, and He blesses us with our health, which is incredible. But the true rewards that He offers us are eternal rewards. There's nothing more encouraging, nothing more exciting than when someone comes up to you and says, man, I, I want to get baptized and, and I want you to do it or I want you to, uh, what you said today what really spoke to me or, or that text that you sent me the other day was so encouraging. Thank you for that. Those are, those are eternal, that's eternal things. What we're doing there is building to our eternal inheritance. That's something incredible and that's what we should be focused on. Okay, he has eternal rewards set up for us. So we're looking at things that we can do in this life to increase um, our fulfillment, to get, to get excited, to build on that now. But there's more, okay? It doesn't stop there. In the future, Paul talks about a judgment seat. Okay, he talks about a judgment seat. In Romans 14.10, it says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. 
2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And what, that's kind of a, you know, it's, it's, it kind of gets confusing a little bit, that judgment seat, because when we think of judgment, we think of the judgment of, of God, and because there's two different judgments. There's the white throne judgment that we see in Revelation where the, where, you know, where the, the, um, where the book of the Lamb will be opened up, the book of life, and, and when, it, when it comes to our judgment, we will be accounted and, when, and the book will be opened up and whose name is, is written in the book of life, that's whether you've received Jesus Christ or not. Okay, that's the white throne judgment. But then you have a different judgment, and it's the judgment seat of Christ, and that's what Paul is talking about here. And he, the word that he uses is bima. Okay, some of you may have heard that, the bima judgment seat. And when you see judgment seat here, that word used bima. And what that word means is basically it's like um, more think of like the Olympics when you're standing on the podium receiving awards. Okay, it's more of like an award judgment. It's more of a recognition of how productive you were. It's not determining heaven or hell. It's determining how productive you were in this life and what your eternal reward is going to look like, what your inheritance is going to look like. Okay, so that's that's what it is. That's what the Bema judgment is, and we will all be judged on that. And through that, we will receive crowns. Okay, crowns. Think about that. Um, I don't have time to go through all these, but I do want to mention the scriptures and what each one represents. First, you have the crown of life, and this is found in James 1.12 and Revelations 2.10. And the crown of life is for those who persevere under trials. People that have gone through great trials in their life and persevered will receive the crown of life. Next will be the incorruptible crown. This is found in 1 Corinthians 9.25, and this is for people that have, been, have denied themselves throughout, God's, um, throughout their time here on this earth, and they have persevered in their faith, and they have just served uh, willingly. They get the incorruptible crown. Number three is the crown of righteousness. This is found in 2 Timothy 4.8. It is for those who anticipate the second coming of Christ and just desire an intimacy to be with God. Okay, they just want to pursue God and spend time with Him. That is the crown of righteousness. And then there is the crown of glory found in 1 Peter 5, 2-4 that says um, that's about shepherding the flock. Okay, that's if you, if, you, if you are a man of the cloak or you are a um, position of authority over people or a pastor, um, the shepherding the flock, this, this is found in 1 Peter 2, 4, and that is the crown of glory. And then we have the crown of rejoicing. This is found in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19-20. Philippians 4, 1 mentions it, and it is for winning souls for Christ. That is the crown of rejoicing. It makes sense because it's the crown of rejoicing because we know that, that when sinners receive Jesus Christ or when one person returns, we know that the angels in heaven rejoice, right? That's why it's the crown of rejoicing. Revelations 3.11 says this concerning crowns. It says, I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Okay, this is a real thing. This is a real thing. And Revelation 4.10 says this concerning the crowns. It says, The 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are You, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things. By Your will they existed and were created. They put their crowns at His feet, at His throne. Okay, and I used to always know that, you know, that our goal, you know, is to receive rewards and do good works and we'll receive crowns in heaven and we'll, we'll throw those at Jesus' feet and put them at his, at his throne and present those to him because he is our true reward. Jesus is our true reward, and that's so true. But when you look at the attitude of these servants that did well, 
when they said, look what your mina did, they're saying, look at God, the only reason I did this is because of you, because the giftings you gave me. So it only makes sense that when we receive those crowns, that we present them to God and say, I only was able to do this because you gave me the position. You put me in the position that I was in. You gave me the resources. You gave me the people around me encouraging me. You provided me with the Holy Spirit to guide me. You deserve this crown. So we have this crown that we put before him, but there's something else that we need to understand about crowns. What do crowns represent? Crowns represent authority, right? So it's no mistake here that he's talking to these servants and saying, I give you authority over 10 cities because there will be authority when we get these crowns. But what does that look like? What do we have authority over? Revelations 21.2 says this concerning a new heaven and a new, new earth. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Okay, everything that we know now of earth will pass away. And the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her, for her husband. Okay, that's talking about heaven coming down to earth. He's going to destroy the earth, and he is going to make a new heaven and a new earth right here. And all through our lives, we're told that we're going to go up to heaven, or he's going to come return for us, and then we're going to go up to heaven to be with him. But the truth is, is he's going to come down and be with us. He's going to come down and create heaven here on earth. And when he does that, he will put us in positions of authority based on the work that we did today. Based on the work that we did today. This should encourage us, guys. This should be something that pumps us up. Okay? And uh, 2 Timothy 2.12 says this. It says, If we endure, we will also reign with Him. Okay? But there's also a warning. If we deny Him, He will deny us. Okay? And I don't... I, don't, I really would like to just kind of end this right now, but this servant, the, the other type of servant, the servant that wasn't faithful, he kind of creates a problem that I have to address. He creates an issue, and I'd, I'd hate to spend the extra time on it even, but the, it makes me, you know, we sit there and look. We know that, that he was stripped of his reward. Okay, but we, what happens to him? For me, looking at him, I don't believe this guy was ever a believer. I don't believe he was ever a Christian. Okay, and I say that based on his belief system. Okay, I know that we can look and say, you know, we can't judge people by their works. And I 100% believe that works are not what's going to get us into heaven. But I also know that Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, he shall also reap. And just like Judas, Judas hung out with Jesus for a while. Okay, Jesus appeared to be a follower. Okay, and this person, this servant that we talk about here, could represent someone that, that maybe said some words when they were younger but never actually gave their life to Jesus. They maybe said some words and maybe attended church for a while and then went away and they still expect to receive the full inheritance of God and he's saying no. Okay, and, and I want to make it clear when we look at this, all we have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says this, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, that, and I 100% believe that. All we have to do is believe, but we have to look at Jesus Christ. We have to look at what that means to believe, right? The word there for believe is actually pistuo, okay, which means to be convinced of something, to give credence to something, and to commit. It's not simple acknowledgement that Jesus Christ died for my sins 
It's understanding that it was a substitutionary death. And through Jesus Christ, I received salvation because of what he did on the cross. And then because of that, I choose to believe and accept what Jesus did. And if you really understand that that is what happened and that is what Jesus Christ did on the cross, then it will affect us. Okay, it will affect the way that we live. It will start in our heart and our hearts will then produce the works because we understood it in our hearts. Okay, I was a a paratrooper um, in the army. And um, in order to become a paratrooper, you have to jump out of an airplane. Okay, you have to hook up. You have to stand up, hook up, go to the door and stand at the door. Now, if you're getting ready to be a paratrooper or in your training, you stand at the door and you say, I believe that my parachute is going to save me. I believe that, that when I jump, my T-10 Delta parachute is going to open up big and round and save me. And then you shout, I'm just a bad airborne soldier. And then sit down and don't jump. Guess what? You're not an airborne soldier. Okay? You're not a paratrooper. Okay? And what I'm saying is, what makes you a paratrooper is believing and jumping. Because jumping shows that you believe. Okay, and, and what I'm saying here is I'm not saying that this person in this text, that this servant, when we look at him, that he's not a Christian because he didn't produce works. I'm saying look at his attitude towards, towards the nobleman. He says, you are an exacting man. You're cutthroat. You reap what you didn't sow. You're a thief. Anyone that believes in Jesus Christ, what makes you a Christian is believing that Jesus Christ paid the price for you. So if you believe in Jesus Christ then how in the world could you say that he's a thief? He didn't take anything from you. He paid a price so he could give you everything. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that there's no way you could believe that he's a thief. Okay, so that's, that's where I stand on that. I'm not basing that on works at all of this man. I'm basing it 100% on his belief system towards God. And God doesn't make it completely clear. I, w- I wish that he, that he did. When Jesus tells the story, he says, Who gets slaughtered? The people that rejected him get slaughtered. He doesn't say what happens to this guy other than his works are stripped from him. Okay, that he receives no reward whatsoever. So I don't know what this guy's belief system, Jesus didn't make that completely clear in here. So what I'm going to address is what we absolutely 100% know, and that is that the people that that were faithful received some incredible reward, and that should give us some encouragement that if we are faithful to God, we are going to receive an incredible reward. Um, Paraphrase, don't be that guy. Okay, just don't be that guy. Chase God, okay? I'm telling you all, today matters. There's a difference between eternal life and eternal rewards. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift based on believing in Jesus Christ. Eternal reward is based on what we do here on this earth. Eternal life is based on belief, okay? Eternal reward is based on behavior and what we do with that belief, I 100% do not believe that works is what are, is going to get you into heaven. I definitely believe that, that Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift. But if you want to do something, you have to understand that today matters. This message in no way is meant to discourage, but to encourage. And when Jesus is looking at this, he's just letting them know, I'm not... I'm not going to take over right now. I'm going to go away for a while, but I want you to be productive. So you should look at this and be productive. We should all look at this and be encouraged. And here in a second, the the band's going to come back up. 
And, I, and we're going to go through that song again that we talked about first. I can't go back to the beginning. It's called, it's called Here Again. Okay, and it, and it starts off, I can't go back to the beginning. I can't go back to the beginning. And I think that's so fitting for today. That's why the series is called Today Matters. Okay, because we can't do, we can't affect yesterday. We can't affect our past. We can't change those things. But we can, what can we affect today? We can affect today. And we have a God that is willing to meet us here where we are. When we understand that we aren't enough, He will meet us where we are. And this song, it just it encourages me so much because we can't go back to the beginning. We're not enough, and Jesus will meet us here. Okay, think about where he met Zacchaeus. He met Zacchaeus where he was, and that happened just a little bit before this. In Luke chapter 19, he sees Zacchaeus, and he sees him up, and he says what? He says, I'm coming to your house. All right? He met Matthew, the tax collector, where he was. He met, um, he met the disciples where they were. He met the two men on the road to Emmaus. He met them where they are. He will meet you where you are. He met Mag Mary Magdalene. Where did he meet her? In her sin. He will meet you where you are. The story of the prodigal son, it says that the father ran out to the prodigal son and met him where he was. Jesus will meet you where you are. Where did he meet Paul? He stopped Paul on the road to Damascus. On his way to kill Christians, he met Paul where he is. And I'm getting ready to close. We're getting ready to, to shut it down. But I want you to understand the name Paul. Okay, if you look at Paul, Paul comes from the root word pal. Okay, it's from a Jewish, Jewish word, which means pause. Okay, his name meant to pause. And Saul, which was his first name before God changed it, came from shoal, which means ask. Okay, stop and ask. Those were, those were his two names. And it's interesting that he grew up, his name was Ask, okay? His name was Saul. And on his way to Damascus, Jesus shows up, right? The angel of the Lord shows up. And what does he say? He says, Saul, Saul, okay? He says, Ask, Ask. And for the first time, the man that was named Stop, stopped, and he asked. What did he ask? He said, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? That's what he asks. So when we look at people like this in this text, when we look at this, this, um, this servant who was not a faithful servant, and we look at what his vision of God was, was he was, he was uh, someone who reaps what he doesn't sow. Okay, when we see that, it, it was the question. So when we see this in our lives, when we see people that we feel like have this weird view of God, we should ask ourselves, or if we see people living a certain way that they shouldn't, we should ask ourselves, what is their view of God? Can we address that? How can we let them know who God really is? Think about Paul. If God didn't meet him there that day on the road to Damascus, think about the incredible gifting. I mean, he wrote <laughs> all the epistles, everything that he wrote in the New Testament. I mean, that was, that was just so much of what Paul did was based on God stopping him, meeting him where he was, and telling him, ask me who I really am. And he said, Lord, who are you? And he revealed himself to him. And if you stop today and ask him, he will reveal himself to you. And he has works that he has planned for you. Today, he has works that he has planned for you. Today matters, okay? It matters. God will meet you here today. You can have an incredible impact today. We cannot go back to the beginning, but we serve a God that will 100% meet us here today, and you all should be encouraged by this. I don't want anyone in this room 
I don't want, I mean, it, this is going to happen. This is clear from God's word. There will be a time when Jesus Christ returns and he is going to want an account of what we have done. And I want every single person in this room to receive reward. I want you to, see, to receive reward and to stand up proud of what you've done, proud of what you let God do in your life. Today matters. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for your love, Father. I thank you for, I thank you that you are a God that does meet us where we are. I thank you that you're not a God that, that, that doesn't go before us and pay the price, God. You went before us and you paid the price and you did an incredible work for us. I thank you, God, that you are so just that you want to reward your faithful, Father. I thank you that your promises remain forever and throughout eternity. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have showed us through your word, Father, that salvation is not by works, but it is the free gift of God. And we thank you so much for that, for what Jesus did on the cross, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And right now at this time, Father, we ask that you will meet us here, just like you met Paul, just like you, because of what you did, Paul had no intention of stopping that day until you showed up and stopped him. And Lord, I pray right now that there's people that you will show up and stop in the name of Jesus Christ. And there's some of us here that just feel beaten up and tore down, Father, and they feel like we can't do this, Lord. And I pray that you will just say to them, I know you can't do this. You're not enough without me. And I pray that everyone in this room will just receive what you have for them, Father. That we can say, Lord, I know that I'm not enough. I'm not enough unless you come and meet me here again, Father. I pray that you will meet us here in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are so good, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your hope. Thank you for your encouragement, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your truth, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as lead pastor Neil Krause continues in the series, Today Matters Forever. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.